Hello everyone, this is the Theoretical Doctor, and today's topic will be on causes, symptoms, transmission, treatment, and prevention in cholera and tuberculosis. For notes and flashcards on this topic, do visit my website theoreticaldoctor.com. This is a recording from my video on my YouTube channel. Thus, if you want visual guided explanations, do visit my channel on YouTube, The Theoretical Doctor. Let's get into it, and I hope you enjoy this recording. In this video, we will be continuing on cholera as well as tuberculosis, whereby we will dive into the causes and symptoms, transmission as well as the treatment and prevention for both cholera and tuberculosis. We shall begin with cholera. <laughs> So causes and symptoms. It is a waterborne disease, causative agent Vibrio cholera. It is a coma-shaped motile bacterium with a distinctive flagellum. So it's coma-shaped, it's motile, it's able to move with a distinctive flagellum. This one, it is a notifiable disease. So symptoms, very watery and cloudy looking diarrhea. They refer it to as rice water diarrhea. Why rice water? Because if you're Asian, <laughs> <laughs> I'm Malaysian. <laughs> okay, so anyway, when you uh, when you want to cook the rice, you will wash the rice first, right? So after you wash the rice, the water that you throw away, that's the rice water actually. And you notice it's like sort of whitish, not completely opaque white, but grayish, whitish, that one. So the diarrhea will look like that. It's that color. It's associated with vomiting, abdominal cramps, and dehydration. So how do you spot dehydration? There's low blood pressure, sunken eyes, rapid pulse, dry mucous membrane or mouth, dry skin, excessive thirst, and low urine output. There's also electrolyte imbalance, generalized weakness, and once they are infected with the bacteria, the symptoms usually appear within 2-3 to three days. However, only about 1 in 50 infected people develop the disease and the rest of the people become carriers. The transmission of cholera. So the bacteria enter the body via ingestion of contaminated food or water. It is not passed like in dengue through a vector and it's not airborne either. So it's through ingestion. And infected people can pass out large number of bacteria in their feces which may contaminate water supplies and this is really scary because once they contaminate the water supply and there is no proper filtration, then other people can get infected. So the food may be contaminated by infected food handlers who do not wash their hands adequately after using the toilet and it's commonly found in food sold by street vendors. Not all street vendors, sometimes this can even happen in a properly established restaurant but just saying. So what happens is in the small intestine, these bacteria they will multiply rapidly and secrete the enzyme neuraminidase and exotoxin cholerogen. Actually in our stomach, our acid is really strong and usually when these bacteria go through, they do not survive our stomach acid but sometimes they do and the ones they do in the small intestine is where the problem starts. So they multiply and they secrete neuraminidase and also the exotoxin. So this neuraminidase will alter, will change some of the surface proteins on the membranes of the epithelial cell in the small intestine. So in the small intestine, they will start having receptors for this toxin. So the neuraminidase comes in and they change it and the toxin comes in and they start to bind to it. So this 
toxin. It will stimulate the epithelial cells to secrete large quantities of chloride ions into the lumen of small intestine. So it's causing all these chloride ions to come out now. What happens is when these chloride ions come out, these sodium ions and the water follows the movement of chloride ions. So these chloride ions come out from the lumen of small intestine. Sodium ions also follow. Water follows. And then it will cause severe diarrhea because now all the water is coming out from the body and it's all collecting in the intestines. So this will result in violent inflammation of the intestine and the toxin also prevents the normal absorption of salt and water because it's not being absorbed by the body. It's all coming out. It's all following the chloride ions and this will result in vomiting as well as severe diarrhea. Treatment since um, it is a bacterial infection, then you can give antibiotics. Next would be to give oral rehydration therapy, ORT, or sometimes referred to as ORS, which is oral rehydration solution. This is to replace the electrolyte lost through diarrhea, and it is given orally or intravenously. Prevention. Issue travel restriction in and out of affected areas because remember, um, the water supply can be contaminated by infected people um, through their feces. Ensure that people have access to clean drinking water, proper sewage treatment, sanitation and drainage because if the water, the sewage is not treated properly and after it is being supplied to the houses and all, um, other people can also get infected. Control of flies which may transfer fecal matter to exposed food. Like usually you will chase the fly away. So sometimes you, you never know where they land, right? Educate the public to maintain high standards of personal hygiene, especially when preparing food. So guys, never dismiss, you know, just make it a habit to wash your hands constantly and wash it properly of course isolation of patients so that their feces or vomit can be disposed hygienically because these bacteria will be found there and then if it goes into the water supply it can contaminate the water supply and other people will get it so improvements in basic human hygiene and also vaccination this vaccine contains heat killed uh, bacteria it's it's a passive immunity form of passive immunity meaning that the person won't be immune to cholera infection for a lifetime it's just for a short period of time so the protection is only about 40 to 80 percent and lasts for three to six months moving on tuberculosis so it is an airborne disease caused by two species of mycobacterium mycobacterium is a fungus like rod shaped bacteria um it's usually by m tuberculosis or M. bovis. M. bovis is found in milk products, but it's rare. It is a notifiable disease. So symptoms, weight loss, fever, persistent cough lasting for two weeks or more, never ending, blood-stained sputum. Sputum is phlegm, so sometimes um, they may say, oh, I cough out blood, but actually it's not blood. It's just, if you were to look at it properly, of course, um, it's just phlegm with some blood. Excessive sweating at night, shortness of breath or wheezing, chest pain, clubbing of fingers. Clubbing of fingers, basically the the end of the um, digits, the end of the fingers are just swollen, so they have like a drumstick appearance. Alright, so how it's being transmitted. For tuberculosis, there's primary TB or tuberculosis infection as well as post-primary infection post meaning after so here i will talk about the primary infection first so tuberculosis can affect many organs but pulmonary tb pulmonary meaning the lungs spread by droplet infection and that's the most common so what happens is 
after a person breathes in the droplets from an infected person, the bacteria is taken up by the alveolar macrophages which cannot digest the pathogen. They can't digest it. They can't kill it. So these bacteria, they're still alive. They're just inside the macrophages. So these bacteria multiply within the macrophages, forming small nodular growths or tubercles in the lung tissue, causing tissue death, and they will form cavities in the lungs. So from here, the bacteria can spread to other organs in the body, and this is called primary tuberculosis infection. So the body's immune response to TB infection is to produce a hormone-like chemical, and this will cause fever in the person, and it will suppress the appetite of the person. So that's why they come in with weight loss, and it's not just, you know, small amount of weight loss like it's actually quite severe so that's why the patients are usually um extremely thin over here or scrawny or they have lost a lot of weight and on top of that they have blood stained phlegm here is the post primary infection so post meaning after after the primary infection sometimes we may be infected but the bacteria is inactive in our body so we do not present with the symptoms or signs so it will lay dormant for many years and it only shows up when there is such um, immunosuppressive conditions like hiv or maybe malnutrition or maybe after a um, an organ transplant like that or cancer tb is mostly transmitted by droplet infection as mentioned before however it requires prolonged contact with an infected person prolonged contact this usually happens for healthcare workers who are um, working or in the wards where there are a lot of tb patients that doesn't mean that they will contract TB most of the time they're okay so sometimes they may be infected but they do not present with the sign and symptoms so the transmission of pulmonary TB is by breathing in air droplets from cough of or sneeze of an infected person not everybody <laughs> people with inactive form of the bacteria cannot spread it to others however the bacteria becomes active it can become active when the carriers are weakened by other conditions as I mentioned before HIV cancer malnutrition like that so this is the post-primary infection. Tuberculosis in general is prevalent in refugee or prisoner of war camps, shelters for homeless people, or in overcrowded, congested living conditions in slums and inner cities. Basically, if there's overcrowding, there tends to be a lot of... Um, TB cases. Treatment of tuberculosis, antibiotics, because after all, it is a bacterial infection. So the symptoms will improve in two to three weeks, definitely. However, the patients must continue the antibiotic regime for six months because once a person has TB, they will give a set of medications for six months and that's a really long time to take. They will cure in two to three weeks and they have to take antibiotics for six months, but no, they have to complete it because stopping before that will cause the bacteria to become resistant and infected patients are to be quarantined at home or in hospitals depends until they are no longer contagious so prevention infected individuals need to stay at home or admitted in the hospital this is to avoid spreading the disease to others until they are no longer contagious and the dots campaign so the dots campaign is direct observe treatment under supervision basically 
the nurse or the healthcare workers, they will give the medication to the patient. And in front of the patient has to consume the medication. So they'll basically wait until they have seen that the patient has taken it. So this is actually an effective way because they're on it for such a long time. Prevention in terms of biological factors would be through the BCG vaccination. So Bacil Calmet Gurin. And this BCG injection is usually given at birth. If you notice the your left arm there's a bcg vaccine scar so at least for most of us it's on the left side sometimes for some people it's on the right side so around 12 years of age if the bcg scar is not present well at least in the malaysian public school setting it will be given again thank you for listening and i hope you've gained some value from this episode i would appreciate it if you could follow my podcast and leave a rating or a review as well as my youtube channel the theoretical doctor Do stay tuned for the following episodes which will be posted every Tuesdays and Fridays. Till then, take care and I hope you have a blessed day.